We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined as always by Nick Leckie, and we are here to break down the Chiefs' 22-17 win over the Cleveland Browns in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs to take them to the AFC title game at Arrowhead Stadium for the third straight year. First time in NFL history an AFC team has done that. Second time it's happened in NFL history. The other time was actually Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles, and we know what the storyline is and what everybody wants to know coming out of this game so we're going to bring on an expert and Aaron Borgman former Chiefs athletic trainer and was also with the Eagles with Andy Reid for 12 years now he runs Borgman Rehab Solutions here in Kansas City Aaron appreciate you taking some time here on Sunday night to, to chat with us a little bit about uh, the huge storyline which is Patrick Mahomes toe right yeah absolutely I mean that's what we're here to talk about is the toe Yes. Uh, what did you see from the toe? In all seriousness, I'm going to follow this yeah. up. In all seriousness, what did you see from the toe before we get into the other part? Yeah, so with the toe, we never saw a mechanism of injury. It wasn't like they replayed something that we go, oh, that was it right there. All we saw was him hobbling a little bit. And then he came off, he was on the table, and he actually pointed to the underside of his first toe, right where uh, it kind of bends upward. So there's a couple of things there uh, that it could be. You know, honestly, we all saw that he went back out, was still completing passes, was still playing, and especially now in the scheme of things, probably not a prime concern for anybody to be worried about, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he's out there running around. He's doing yeah. all the things that he was doing. It just looked a little more awkward. Yeah. Um, but let's get to the to the to what everybody really wants to know. And I know, to be very careful, uh, you don't know. You weren't there, and I think <laughs> no. as an athletic trainer, you have to put all that out yeah, there. Yeah. But as somebody who has been on that sideline, who has worked for these guys, and you know the protocols, um, what did you see from the play? What worried you as somebody that's been out there as one of those first guys to run on the field when a player gets hurt like that? But also just – and then we'll get into kind of what to expect this week. Sure. I know that's what a lot of fans want to know, but what did you see from it and what was going through your mind when you were watching the play? Okay. So first and foremost, um, let's take one step back and talk about how fortunate, first of all, that there was no serious injury that we know about. Uh, let's talk about the reaction of the entire medical staff. You know, Pat went down and he was really close to the sideline. So that helped the reaction time and everything too. Now, what we saw is everybody wants to say, is it a concussion? Is it not? We don't know. 
we we simply do not know. Um, I got hammered on social media. Well, we didn't see his head hit the ground. You know, it wasn't this. It wasn't that. Well, first of all, you don't need to hit your head on anything to That's have good a to concussion. Know. See, I, I didn't even know. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be on Twitter blaming it. But, like, I didn't know that as well because the same thing was going through my mind as far as, like, where the arm was and whether it was, like, a choke out kind of thing. But I don't know if your body would react the way that it did. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know any of this. Sure. But there's sure. a lot of things well, going through my head, and I, I know nothing. So you If you consider that. your brain as being suspended in the liquid inside of your skull, any kind of violent motion one way or the other will shake it and have that suspended piece of material rattle against the inside of your skull. So you actually don't have to hit anything with your head or even be hit in the head to have a diagnosed concussion. Just the whiplash motion is good enough for some people to suffer that. Do we know that that's his diagnosis? Absolutely not. What we do know is that he was being evaluated. We do know that he was ruled out during that evaluation. I got to be honest with you. That's all we know for 100% certainty right now. Do we uh, have concern because of the way the player looked as he was coming off the field? There looked like there was some uh, potential vestibular or balance issues involved there. That could be a contributing factor. Uh, we, we really need to preach caution here going forward till we get a message. I, I know that there's been some comments in the media by coach uh, and some of the uh, PR people. And so that we, ne- we need to take that for what it is right now. Uh, understand that we do not have all the answers. And we're probably, you know, I I operate under the theory, having been on the inside, that you guys know how much you see of an iceberg in the water. You see about 20%. Well, that's what we know right now. The rest of the stuff that matters, we don't see at all. And, you know, BJ, Nick, you guys both know this, have lived through it. You know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know. And so I think the, the, the message of the night would be to have concern, but yet still preach caution for the fact that we just don't have a lot of info to go off of. Yeah. So it, with, with the independent neurologist, so the, every team has an independent one. They're not, they're not team, right. uh, team right. doctor. So they're going to go through evaluations tonight, probably. Right. So that's already happened. Uh, I can guarantee you that that happens as soon as he's off the field, the independent neurologist actually accompanies the player with the team physician to the locker room for the evaluation that was happening minutes after he left the field. Uh, and so that has already happened. Now uh, I will tell you that there are times where those evaluations aren't always complete right away. There, there sometimes is a wait and see approach. Sometimes it is a definitive diagnosis right away where, you know, it is very black and white. Sometimes it's a, you know what, we need to take a look at this now. We need to take a look at this in a little while. And then we need to take a look at this tomorrow before we have a true definitive diagnosis. And I think, again, that's what we're going to see as we get farther and farther away from the time of injury. So with concussions and neck injuries, then is it MRIs? What is it? Uh, Depends on the severity. Yeah, I mean, you can. You don't always need to. Uh, I I would say that that is uh, tending upon, you know, how severe the symptoms are and the identification of the certain symptoms. Uh, That does happen. It's not common, I would say. Uh, But... I, I would think that based upon what we saw so far uh, that, you know, that doesn't seem like it's something that's going to happen anytime soon, but we just don't know yet. That's the question that I have, Aaron, because I'm trying to look back through the beat writers and exactly how Andy Reed had put it post game. And, and if you saw it, you may, we know I, I could paraphrase it because I have a pretty good idea, but I want to believe that yeah, you and I speak during the game. Andy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I already know exactly how it's yeah. going to come out. But I think what I heard during the game, and I think what to reiterate what you said earlier, because there's going to be a lot of misinformation and a lot yeah. of this is not what was said or reported, that yeah. he went into pr- concussion protocol and then was declared out. It doesn't mean anything. And then Andy Reid said afterwards that he passed all the deals in a very throwaway comment kind of sure. Andy Reid-like sure. moment. Whereas you've been around him enough to know that as much as it is like intentionally, like he just doesn't want to talk about it because that's not what he does. He doesn't yeah. want to say the wrong thing. So he just kind of says, hey, we'll get that to you and we get that to you because there's not a lot of information tonight other than they have to do checks tomorrow and, and so sure. on and so sure. forth. And so let's be clear about one overarching term here. We we know that he was being evaluated for a concussion. That That's yeah. not in debate. We don't know for certain if that evaluation is complete tonight, and we won't know. That's none of our business, quite frankly. Uh, right. Also, you know, we have to be careful reading too much into too many words here, in my opinion, because passing all the tests can mean a lot of things. That means, you know, he maybe he passed the test for not having any certain types of this symptom. Maybe he right. passed the test for not having this symptom. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a concussion. It doesn't mean that he does. That just means that, you know, coach gave a comment to say that he was in good spirits. That's how I read it as that yeah. um, nothing serious as of right now was identified. And I okay. think, you know, we as the public and lay people need to take a step back and realize that that's all we can really take it for for certain and that not to read too much one way or the other from those specific comments. Because what my question then is, because fans are going to want to know, what is the expectation of what this week could look like in a best-case scenario? And that a best-case scenario, just because, and this is where I'm kind of paraphrasing, and please correct me anywhere I'm wrong, that there's certain steps that he has to hit, and there's a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. that has to take place between each of those steps. So at best-case scenario, and this is where I don't know the answer, but at best-case scenario, he couldn't even get on the field till say, Friday, whenever it is, just because of all those checkpoints in between. In a best-case scenario, and again, you're not projecting or saying mm-hmm. what you think, but in a best-case scenario, what if he feels great the next few days? When's the earliest he could get back onto the field, given all things are okay? Just okay, so let's, that process. let's forget Pat's name even exists right now. Let's take XYZ player in the NFL that suffers a concussion. There are five <laughs> stages. Yes, exactly. There are yep. five stages that you have to pass. Those include physical exertion, Those include independent clearance by somebody outside of the organization. Those include clearance by the physician inside the organization. And those include physical stages by which you have to pass certain benchmarks, meaning uh, pre-practice, simulated practice, and then practice, right? So five stages. Now, in my experience, and I won't speak for anybody else, in my experience, we used those stages as 24 hours. You had to be in one stage for 24 hours, pass out of it to get to the next stage. I would love to tell you that the rest of the NFL does that. That's not the case. Everybody treats those stages differently and everybody, and that's, that's their right. I'm not placing judgment on anybody. Everybody, some teams do two stages a day if they feel it's appropriate for those people. And that's fine. I will tell you that, in, in my experience, we like to do 24 hours per stage to make sure what we were seeing is, in fact, real. Regardless of that, the soonest you're going to see anybody on the field anywhere in the NFL is Wednesday. Now, right. that's not really this regime style. But again, I don't know the symptoms. Um, and, and so that would be impossible for me to tell. And, you know, sometimes we get to the point where we get through stage one or two 
and you'd be stuck in stage two for a couple of days because you can't pass out of that stage. Or you'd get to stage four and then you'd try to practice and then you'd regress. All of these are possibilities. And so to, you know, BJ, I don't know if you've had a concussion. I've had three. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, each one of those were all different. So my point yeah. bringing that up is there are no standards for concussions. Every single one is different between you guys and me. And even if I have multiple, they're all different for me. And so I don't know Pat's concussion history. Um, but my point in bringing all that up is just because we're here now and try to stage upward doesn't mean anything at this particular moment. And aren't there grades of concussion as well, too? Like uh, there, there, there used to be. We got away from grading okay. them simply because there was too much confusion as to what people couldn't settle on. Well, does loss of consciousness equal a grade three or is loss of consciousness past 15 seconds equal a grade three? So we stopped grading them out of pure confusion. And I think that's actually for the athlete's benefit, quite frankly. It's yeah. a, it, it's just a concussion. And, you know, there's a lot of people that even try to shy away from mild, moderate, severe. And, you know, you can argue that uh, minutia to the ends of the earth. And I'm not here for that discussion today. But I think that's more for the player's safety and benefit than it is to say, well, if you had a grade two, that means you should be back in eight to 10 days. Right. That's not fair to the athlete. So that's why we stopped doing that. That makes a lot of sense. If it, if it wasn't for Vegas, us talking about this, any of this information getting out shouldn't be fair for anything either. A lot I'm, of people I'm, on that, I'm on that side of this is a guy's health. Like he has no right. I understand you pay tickets and all this. To, like talking about my guy's health. And, and that gives me the question because this is a really important nuance in here that, um, I've never asked you and I've mm-hmm. never heard anyone talk about it. what do you have to do to pa- like grade out of those different stages? Is that a, a test that the, does the, does Mahomes just have to sit and tell the independent neurologist after practice? No. Like, no, my head doesn't hurt. Like, is there, <laughs> is there, but I'm serious. I'm like, good right what, now. Well, like, what physically, yeah, what exactly. physically, what okay. physically can, can keep a player who just, and you know, like, I'm not saying Patrick's that guy or he should do that, but you and I, and Nick, we've all probably been that guy who's like, I don't care. I'm going out yeah. there. What do I have to say? What do I have to do? So, is that possible? Like, can you help a player get out of his own way based uh, on no, the way the tests no, are right now? No, you can't okay. really. Because here's the deal let's say Nick has a concussion, right? Well, prior to the season even begun, he's taken baseline neurocognitive right. testing on a computer. And that gives us who Nick is. And you can't really fake those. I know people like to try to say that, oh, I'm going to dodge it now. So if I get a concussion down the road, that means I'll be better then. Nah, you can't really fake yourself. You how many of those conversations did you, you have? You can do it dumber. No, you can do it dumber. Statue like limitations. Just, yeah. How many players asked you that? <laughs> no, how many no. people asked you that? It, 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 it's only, a real thing. No, it's a real thing. You want to get a good baseline. Only the ones that step on the field ask that question. So every single one thinks that they can outsmart the test. You can't. And so you're only grading yourself against yourself. And so by dodging it early, you actually make it tougher for yourself to get back on the field because then they're going to go, well, this isn't the same that matched up now when you're trying to get back on the field. So that's the first one. So you have to pass that. And a lot of times that doesn't come till the second or third or even fourth stage of the concussion recovery. You have to have a graded exercise regimen where you go from, you know, doing exercises on the floor or the table And then you get your heart rate up a little bit more. And then if you don't have any headache symptoms or nausea or vision or vestibular symptoms, then you pass out of that stage. And then you just kind of keep stepping it up, right? Well, eventually, so you have to pass tests, both physical and computerized neurocognitive tests. You have to have a a real in-depth conversation with the team physician. And they're going to put you through a battery of physical exams, uh, balance testing, uh, reaction time. 
And then you have to go do that with somebody that's not affiliated with the team. So you can't cheat that either. And so what I think a lot of people don't understand is that this is not just, you know, how many fingers am I holding up like it used to be or, you know, wave the smelling salts. It's it's gotten to the point where it is so unbelievably detailed. And and quite frankly, you guys are good at this. Very, very tough injuries to rehab because some people take two days. Some people take 20. Some people take two months. And, you know, it's there's so much nuance and so much specificity for each individual person that that's why you have to have those safeguards in place to pass out of those stages and to get those, you know, 18 check marks to go even do it all. And so, you know, it really is for the players protection as much as people try to not argue against that or try to not believe that that's why it's there to protect the player from themselves and to protect the player from the teams. And that's why the independence there, you know, there's so many built in safeguards. Truly independent too, like a truly oh, yeah, independent, yeah, not yeah. like a team doctor's co-signing something like back in the day, but just no, like an actual. No. So in, in each town all around the United States, there is team medical staff, right? Mm-hmm. They have to have somebody that's not paid by the team that is a neurosurgeon or a neuropsychologist in that town associate themselves with the team as the independent person for the game. And they serve as both sidelines during every game. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I remember they went through all that, went through the, they came in, basically gave like a study. It was a few years ago. I think it was, I was after you had left, I believe Aaron, but the NFL came in and they explained all that stuff, but I appreciate that. So um, but Aaron, before we let you go, there should be no expectations for chiefs fans to be, let me reword this to be very clear. So, at least for me, I am not expecting, even in a best-case scenario, Patrick Mahomes to practice Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not even going to pay attention to what they're saying as far as his practice participation because we're not going to get a lot of information. Let's not pretend that all that Andy Reid's going to sit up there on tomorrow and tell us exactly what's happening. Give me the whole it's going to be a day-to-day. Yeah, yeah like it, that's just not good. Rick may come out and speak, mm-hmm. um, but they're not going to give a timeline because they just can't. Yeah. You don't do that. That's not right. Even if they have it, they're not going to ever say It's not fair that. to the player. Either. It's not. It's not fair to anybody. Yeah, so – I don't expect anything Wednesday or Thursday. Is that what you, the kind of temperament you should tell Chiefs fans now? Like, don't overreact if he's not practicing by Wednesday or has it cleared things. Friday is kind of the day for me that he better have turned some corners so he can clear something Friday, get, take care of the last part Saturday, and then be ready to go on Sunday. Well, what I think you do is, you know, you try to look for comps and these types of things, right? If you have an MCL, you go, oh, well, that offensive lineman with this great MCL came back in such and such a time. All right, fine. Well, you can't do that here. And so, you know, if it is indeed a diagnosed concussion, well, Mm -hmm. then you know that there's a certain amount of graded steps that have to come up. So if we hear that diagnosis of concussion tomorrow, well, Mm -hmm. then you start looking toward the end of the week. And I think I think we can all sit here and say that he's the type of player that even if he doesn't practice through the week, that if (laughs) if he passes everything on Saturday, you're probably still giving him the ball. Right. You know, because it's a team we played. Yeah. Well, exactly. But you have to uh, you have to go through so much physical conditioning to even get to the point of passing a concussion test that, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty tough. So, like, you're going to have symptoms if if you have, you know, any kind of lingering effects and then you're not even going to get to that point is is kind of what I'm saying. Now, if it's not if it's not a diagnosed concussion, well, then that's a whole different ball of wax. And then you start looking at like, well, what is the severity of the condition that he has? And so, 
you know, I think that's kind of where the split comes, that if it's concussion, your brain starts going this way. If it's something else, your brain goes that way. It's a bronchial <laughs> stun, right? Man, I've been doing this for 20 years. That's the first time I've ever heard that diagnosis in my life. I've never heard of brachial stun before, and maybe it's my ignorance. Now I have to go read up on it. But I, if it's happened in a game, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. So, so someone's uh, consulting uh, WebMD on that one. And so if, it, if it's undiagnosed, then it's truly based off of player's feel. Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, because uh, then what you're doing, if it's something other than a diagnosed concussion, uh, then you're looking at uh, it, more than likely it's an internal medical issue. Either he got hit in the neck and that caused, you know, his to lose his breath. I, I don't know. I'm not here to speculate. But um it's probably a combination of less orthopedic and more medical uh, if it's not a concussion, which is all medical. Um, and, and so, uh, again, I think for the 10th time, uh, I've preached it all night on social media. We just have to have a little bit of patience here and not jump to any conclusions about timelines and this and that. We can speak in generalities, of course, but to say it was a Vulcan neck pinch and he's going to miss five days because of that and get Dr. Spock in here to fix it. I was told that tonight. I swear to God. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing that we should be laughing. I just laugh because social be asking social media to be reasonable or calm about anything in any situation is a bad idea, let alone when the best player in NFL history goes down um, in the divisional round of a playoff Wait, game. And there's in uncertainty right now about what's going on. So. Well, yeah, and, you know, if this is any other player, unfortunately, you're probably not talking about it, even though right. the gravity of the situation is the exact same. But because it's a high-profile player, it's a high-profile game, you know, things just get magnified. And, BJ, you know as well as anybody, once the stakes go up, so do uh, so do certain blood pressures. And, you know, uh, so it, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of a whirlwind storm. And it's not like every national reporter in the NFL is reaching out to every contact they have <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. And they're going to get the same answer. Like, they're not yes. – they don't know. Like I've had, had, yeah. had to recharge this twice tonight. Oh, damn. You get blown up like that? Crazy. I got – I had – yeah. Nothing. I, my response – what do I know? <laughs> I'm sitting at home yeah. with my kids. Send them to me. I'll straighten them I up. didn't know anything when I was working there six years in. <laughs> so, no, anyway. I mean, truth be told, like the, the kid is in the best hands possible. Um, right. You know as well as I do, uh, the staff, the medical and the athletic training staff do a great job there. That, like, there's seriously, there's people on that staff that literally wrote the book uh, for the NFL on how this injury is diagnosed if it is a concussion. If it's something else, well, then the, the medical staff is great too. So I, I think people just need to just. You know, the old Aaron Rodgers, just relax. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's see what we, we don't know what we don't know right now. And that's fine. Yeah. And the one thing that I loved, Aaron, and and you were a part of this for a long time, and this is going to sound really cliche, but I'm not paid to say this, so I can say this now, <laughs> is that the people that are in charge of making sure that Patrick Mahomes is healthy and making the best decisions for him, yes, those people want him to play. We all want him to play. But those people genuinely care about Patrick Mahomes, the person, because they spend a lot of time around him as a person, not just the 60 minutes he's on a football field. These guys genuinely care about him as a person, well, and they're here, gonna, he's in really, really good hands. Here's what I think people fail to understand. You know, we always get, and you've heard it, you've heard it. Uh, we, we've all been told, like, well, you work for the team. You only have allegiance to the team. Well, the thing that I always thought was funny is if I do a better job for my athlete, 
then I can put them back on the field sooner and they can do better for the team, which helps me out financially. So why would I not want to provide the best care for the athletes so they get out there quicker as opposed to just saying, do it so you're not healthy? Like that never, that never made any sense to me. The further, yeah. the better I did care for the athlete, the more I got paid in playoff bonuses. So like I was all about, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. And that's an uneducated comment to me. So yes, to your point, uh, they, they are very good at their job. And, yeah. you know, everybody wants to see the athletes get better. And a completely unrelated note, that was like when people thought I was going to leak stuff. Like when mm-hmm. news was going to get out, it was going to be me. I was like, why would I risk losing my job to just pass along information that's right. not going to help me at all? Like this well, doesn't make sense. You've got some burner uh, handles out there. I know you do that really. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Hey, Aaron, I got yeah. a question too. And without yeah. without naming anyone mm-hmm. specifically, I know there's talk amongst athletic trainers. Are there some organizations out there who really don't have the best player, the best interest of the player in mind? Are there a couple or is everyone pretty much like nowadays with independent physicians and um, you really can't like lie to players or, or, or say, hey, you're, you're better than this without naming names? Like, are yeah, you- yeah, I'll just leave it. I'll say it this way. The players that come and go from teams all know the staffs that are genuine. Yeah. And they will tell you what they think about other staffs. And so we would always glean information from that, you know, from a distance, no one knows any different from anything. Right. Yeah. And so you, you really, and, and Nick, you know, this from, you know, talking to other players, you, you really rely on the people that you trust and listen, right, wrong, or otherwise, there are some teams that have some reputations out there uh, for towing the company line and, or, uh, you know, pushing people back out a little bit early or some, more old school medical practices and we don't need to get into all that, but those people are kind of falling by the wayside as time goes on simply because we're living in an age of transparency where you can't hide anything anymore. Medical records are what they are. You know, everybody's got second and third opinions. And so uh, I guess my point is if you're still practicing that way, you're going to get found out in a hurry and you're probably not going to be around long anymore. Yeah, that agent has no problem putting that out on Twitter through a national oh, reporter that no. you're being this player is getting mistreated no. by such and such. But I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you the question in case you didn't want to answer it that way, yeah. in a different way. In that, if you could set your own salary, how many teams in the NFL would you still refuse to go work with? <laughs> He'd be like, no, uh, there's by nine teams. Like, okay, are you still calculations? Because of medical reasons. Yes, forget family, forget travel, moving, all of that stuff that's going through your head as a parent. If you for just like not wanting to be a part of a crew that, like you yeah. said, you glean information, how many teams in the league would you just not go work for? Four or five. That's yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Aaron, I, I've heard stories from other people how, how some trainers are just, you can't, like, you just straight up can't trust them. Like, you can't trust what they tell you, um, anything. Like, it just, yeah. It's like, and, and, that's, bad. and that's a personal view, not yeah. reflective of anything. Correct. Um, I, I would just say that um, the stories that kind of circulate in the league, they're there for a reason. And when you hear it from one person, you know, all right, fine. You hear it from two. Eh, okay. When you hear it again and again and again, you're like, okay, you know, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. And you, Nick, you know, those stories as well as anybody from players that have been around and, I, I, again, I think if you don't have the best interest of the player, players can smell blood. They they know when you're lying to them. They know when you're not out for it. 
And so if you if you're going to run your shop that way, then that's on you. I, I would rather have players like me and get Christmas bonuses and we all get <laughs> playoffs together. So um, that's just me. Though. And, that's Aaron, true. I, and Aaron, right before you go, just, I agree with you completely. You can't run a business that way yeah. and expect it not to be found out very quickly, especially in today's day and age. But Aaron, thank you. This was actually a phenomenal conversation. Great. I learned, Great. I learned a lot. I think Chiefs fans are going to learn a lot, feel a little bit better, at least as far as what the process and yeah. what, the next few weeks could look, or the next few days could look like. Because as you've said, and Coach Reed, by the time people listening to this Monday morning may have spoken about it or tweeted about it, but as of right now, we don't know what the results of him going through concussion protocol and all of that were. We really so don't. By, the, let, by yeah. the letter of what has been said to look into it, nothing has been confirmed either way. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, something we're gonna you're, you're gonna, we're all going to read stuff tonight. We're all going to say, you know, everybody's going to have their theories, and that's fine. People are entitled to that. Uh, you know, you reach out to me and I'm going to tell you the facts of explaining things as opposed to say, this is what it is. This is what it is. Cause I've been on the other side of that. Like we don't know. Listen, I'm sure that there's a chart out there right now of every quarterback concussion ever. And exactly the average number of days before they were on the field, before they were on the game, yeah. like practice not, field, not comparable field. people, right? Yeah. Makes no, no, no but difference. it's going to be out there because yeah, there's information yeah. and people have time and they want to figure out uh, <laughs> something to put out there. That's different. And, I can't knock the hustle, but it doesn't sure. mean anything to what this is going to be. It's just a way to to utilize that anxious energy that they've got. But Aaron, thank you so much for the time again. That's Aaron Borgman from Rehab Borgman Rehab Solutions. Aaron, thank you for the time, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep. Thanks. Aaron. All right. All right, Nick. Now that uh, it's just you and I, and I'm doing a one man band here with anybody following on YouTube. That's like, why does this look all different? Because I'm trying to find the right buttons to hit boom there we go all right we are all ready to go right now but nick just takeaways from the game now that we've you know spent 25 minutes talking about the the patrick mahomes uh situation just chiefs win 22 17 again host the afc title game for the third straight year with patrick mahomes hopefully uh next week as the starting quarterback but just crazy amount of success what were your you know top takeaways from this game well it was it was interesting i was i was going over the box score and the chiefs had more rushing yards than the Browns. And, and I was surprised. I was like really surprised that I felt like they kind of uh, uh, fell off of, of leaning on Williams uh, until late. And I don't know if that was something where you get so focused on having such a great pass offense, you just forget to run the ball. But uh, I feel like there were some times where you could have you could have uh, chewed up some clock and at least got the defense off the field, uh, especially after that interception. Uh, I know things turned out great in the end. Uh, but I mean, overall, I mean, another great team victory that that didn't look entirely dominant, dominant at times, but not dominant for a full four quarters. But I mean, that's playoff football to me. Yeah, this is who cares what they look like. The people have been complaining and saying the Chiefs aren't good enough because they're not blowing opponents out, but they keep winning football games. Like we're at the point now that we're criticizing the way in which this team that <laughs> won what fifteen games now in the last however many. Like this team is exactly what you want them to be. The defense steps up. Tyron Matthew steps up and makes a huge play. But the thing that I want to talk about real quick because we have time and I want to know what your take is. Uh, Daniel Sorensen's play, just <laughs> the ball going into the end zone. I swear to God, I put it on Twitter. If there is going to be an AFC divisional MVP that award, it need, needs to be named after Daniel Sorensen. It needs to be the Dirty Dan Award for the AFC divisional round because that guy just steps up and makes plays. And that ended up being, again, one of the biggest plays, if not the single biggest play in that game. Um, what is your take on that rule? 
Ball fumbled I, into the end zone out of the back, and the other team gets the ball. So I, I like the rule if, if you fumble it into the end zone uh, and then it goes out that it's a touchback because they, they did it because back in the day, teams would, if they're about to get tackled, you could fumble it into the end zone. And then what's the, um, like, what, what's to say teams just don't do that if they're about to get tackled, just fumble it in the end zone. Right. It, it's sort of like right. one of those deals where it's like, OK, well, there needs to be some sort of consequence. So you don't just do that every play. And and that's what the, the rule was. You fumble it out of the end zone. Other team gets the ball and it's a touchback. And, and it sort of makes it sort of makes the, the, the touchdown uh, this sort of like grail, like the, this kind of holy land area, like this kind of, you know, sacred ground where it's like, man, you really got to tighten up. And yeah. it'll make you do like what New England does, where, where they've banned extending the ball out. Right. They said, don't do that. It's not worth it. Don't extend the ball out, you know, forever. And yeah, they need to change the rule. They got to change the rule. They got to do something. But there are a lot of loopholes that people will find. Like you just said, like as soon as they make the rule, everybody's going to look, you know, figure out a way to try to take advantage of it. And that's going to be a difficult way to do that. But obviously it it turned in the Chiefs favor in this game. Um, Now let's talk a little Chad Henney. Oh, (laughs) anything is possible. Uh, It didn't take long for those tweets to fire out. Started with Patrick Mahomes after the game. But uh, Chad Henney went from. That third down pass where he stepped, hang, <laughs> hung in the pocket on third down, Get him out delivered here, yeah. it down the field. It was like, got a baby. And I, like, I tweeted out, I'm like, that's a veteran play. Like a young quarterback doesn't stay in the pocket and wait till his third read the way that it was kind of closing in around him. You don't even see a lot of like even really good. We've seen Patrick Mahomes kind of start shifting his feet, moving around. Like he hung in the pocket. Like that was the things that I love to see. Uh, but obviously Travis Kelsey just went in doubt, throw the ball that direction, but then comes back. <laughs> and throw just doesn't see the safety like obviously like i don't know if he just mixed in just whatever it was it wasn't a misread or whatever he says after the game like he just didn't know there was a guy back there's the only explanation i had although andy reed after the game said that it was his fault yeah it is well and i think sometimes too you, you <laughs> dial up a play for forgetting that you have you don't have mahomes or or it's like hey this is maybe you can make a make a throw like this and it just sort of maybe asked him to do too much but the thing i loved about about henny and and it's stupid but he took a sack like and like he didn't try to do something stupid um, that that like a a quarterback who's trying to earn his keep or trying to trying to do too much or or win a game he took a sack and he didn't have like the like oh get rid of it like I don't want it anymore and he he took a sack and it was cool and yeah and you know what it's so stupid and little to to see but you're like oh man what is he doing but it's like that could have been disastrous yeah. That could have been and, absolutely disastrous. And I remember that play because I was watching the game. There was a, a friend of ours here. And when we were watching the game, that play happened. Like, he was really upset. And I was like, the worst thing that can happen, obviously, is like it's some sort of, you know, takeaway that turned into a touchdown or something. But if he tries to throw that ball and it's an incomplete pass, is the worst thing that can happen because it still mm-hmm. drained the clock down to the two-minute warning. And then they were still able to, if they wanted to, at third and 14, it was like run a screen pass. And they ended up, that was the, the draw or the the quarterback keeper, Chad Henney, goes all – um, Lamar Jackson down the field and just about <laughs> got that first down if it wasn't for his elbow. Uh, yeah. But that was a big time just sequence of events for a veteran quarterback to hang in the pocket on third down and then to take that sack while a lot of people got upset, still was draining time off the clock. And then the fourth down call. Mm. Well, oh, well, baby. Well, hey, okay, okay. Hey, so oh, back, back up. Love back it. Up, back up. You glossed over uh, Henny making a snap decision to tuck the ball and run. They're playing man coverage and saw open field, right? And then the 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 the, the pass to to Williams, uh, nice touch on it too, yep. uh, to get the first down before that. But it's like that that sellout, like talking about complete sellout 
of his body to try and get a first. Yeah, that's cool. Because if he gets hurt, who's playing quarterback? I don't know. Who's the, who's Anthony like the Sherman. wide receiver? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think or Travis Kelsey. It's one of those two, but Kelsey's, yeah. th- Kelsey's had two chances to throw passes, and neither one of them have gone well. I'm that's not sure true. he's going to get Yeah, and I think with Sherman, I think you could run the ball a little bit more effectively with Sherman. You know, I think you set, I would, set up some schemes. I don't want to see that offense. But I at the same time, I kind I kind of want to see that offense. Like, <laughs> Me too. In like a preseason game, like in a, like an off season game, and like right, April, exactly when messing around out in Blue Valley somewhere. But um, what but we yeah, take away? Like, what else, we haven't even talked about the defense a whole lot yet, and I want to talk about those guys because we talked about you know during the week, and I talked on the pregame show coming into this game that that was the best offensive line the Chiefs were going to face, and they got their guys back with Bentonio coming back for this game. According to Pro Football Focus, which I know they get a lot of crap for all their grades, and I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I don't like the grades, but in general, they have the number one. There's got to be some proof to it. You don't have to rank them necessarily, but if they say they're the best, then they're good. Okay, Number one run-blocking offensive line unit in the NFL and number one pass-blocking unit, which hadn't happened, I believe, ever for PFF on their grades. So. This was the biggest challenge the Chiefs defensive front has had this year with that running attack with Kareem Hunt and with Nick Chubb. And while those guys averaged over five yards a carry and they got theirs, they didn't control the game the way that a lot of Chiefs fans were worried that they might because of what we've seen from Cleveland, knowing they were going up against that offensive line. And there are times in which the Chiefs defense gets gashed a little bit in the run game. And that did happen on some plays tonight, but nothing that stood out saying, man, they're not going to be able to stop these guys. Yeah, it was. There was no no pressures or sacks, and you're like you're like, hey, where's Chris Jones? Where's Frank Clark? But uh, I think it's the first time this entire D line's been healthy. Like, I mean, you had pretty much everyone back who you wanted back, and and they played well together. Um, you would tend like the 18 play drive in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's difficult. But then you look at the offense. What they they got the interception, then ran 33 seconds off the clock. And yeah. it's like, so that defense is gas. So the offense isn't doing the defense any favors by, by, by leaving them out there to play. And, and you, you're not really, you can't, you can't, I always quote Frank Clark, you can't chase sacks when you've got a guy as quick as Baker Mayfield, right? And he's getting the ball yeah. off very quickly, you know, running a great offense. You know, Baker, he played the game of his life, man. He had some really damn good throws. And, and I thought the defense just overall, I, I thought they played really, really good. Um, you know, you get, yeah. you get picks when you need them. Matthew should have had two, and it just it's just really cool to see, man. And it's cool to see to me too is Legarius Need just showing up time after time as the guy to go run in there and get and get a hit, you know, to get pressure on the quarterback. It's so how damn about, cool. How about the young guys? I mean, seriously though, the Legarius Need steps up and makes plays. How about my Cole Hardman stepping up and making plays? The guy who's gotten a lot of crap from Chiefs fans because of some special teams things that fans didn't like or some mistakes that he's made on special teams. And with Sammy Watkins being hurt, it was like, who's going to step up and make plays? You saw Demarcus Robinson make a phenomenal catch that wasn't challenged because Patrick Mahomes and them got a, did a really good mm-hmm. job of getting up to the line and running the next play. But when Sammy Watkins wasn't able to go, Clyde Edwards-Elair, there was optimism that he was going to be able to go in this game. He wasn't able to go. It's impressive what the Chiefs have been able to do with just the next man up stepping up. And it didn't seem like early in this game that they were missing those guys because they have so much firepower. And obviously it helps when you have the best player in football uh, running for you but or kind of leading the offense for you. But it was great to see uh, McCole Hardman step up and, and make some plays in a big-time game. No, and he really did too. And it was, it was interesting because this – 
this roster is built so well that that if they've the Chiefs have absorbed and played through so many damn injuries this season, and and they've still only lost you know essentially one game because the week seventeen is is you know that happens you know the, everyone rested so uh, but yep. it was just it's just cool to see how how this roster is built and and then if if you look at like how well the offense did, look at this offensive line, right? I mean I mean talk about. Injury riddled, um, you know your 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 high profile Pro Bowl guard is is you know went to do the work up in Canada to help people with this pandemic being right a off good the get go. Yeah, good being dude. a great dude, man, I love that. You know he chose he chose to help people over over a game, and I love that. He chose, he chose real life. Yeah, he did. He chose. He did. And then and then you lo- you lose your left guard, uh, Kalechi Osemele. Yep. And then you know you lose your your all pro right tackle. And this, you couldn't tell. Like, if you took names off and blurred whatever, you couldn't tell. This offensive line, you know, and the first time I've seen a while, they ran the ball. Yeah. They ran the shit out of the ball. How about Darrell Williams? Oh, my God. Uh, We haven't talked about Darrell Williams, and we got to talk about the defense because I'm excited about Tyron Matthew and what those guys have done. And there's going to be a lot of things that are said about Patrick Mahomes and what he's done and Chris Jones and all these guys. But I'm, I'm telling you, Tyron Matthew changed every, he's the glue. He's the one that brings this whole thing together on that side of the ball. And we're going to talk about that Louisiana guy. But first let's stay on the Darrell Williams. Cause I got my offensive lineman getting excited about a downhill running back who doesn't get cute. He's a plant and go. He reminds me a lot of times and it, I don't know, this is probably a bad comparison, but the way his running style, it's a Niall Davis from a few years ago. He's big, he's thick, he's a plant north and south, get ready and go, and he's going to run through a lot of arm tackles, and every time he gets an opportunity, he makes plays. There's never been a time where Darrell Williams gets an opportunity where he touches the ball three or four times where something positive doesn't happen. He's not the fastest guy in the world, he's not the strongest guy in the world, he just goes out there and makes plays. And he does too, and and it was I think the first first couple drives, you know, they used him, and I think Andy Reid, where where I think he's smart enough to where uh, you don't want to win fifty to two, fifty to ten, you know, you want to win just enough to win, you know, and clearly we saw he's got some stuff drawn up to to win a game if if he needs to, when he needs yep. to, that that fourth and inches, you know, call to oh, um, beautiful Tyreek Hill, which remind me and of that, reverse- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, no, you're good. No, no. And I'm just saying, he just, he's got stuff to dial up. So it's like, I think he saw the way Daryl Williams was running, and he was like, let's yeah. just table that, right? Let's hold on to that. Let's not show too much of that package. And they ran that fourth and one, that reverse pitch, that counter pitch play that I know they ran against the Buffalo Bills in 2014 on a fourth down because Jamal Charles ran for a touchdown. As soon as they ran it, I was like, that's the Bills play. Like, I've seen that play, and then he brings it back out. It was just a beautiful call. It puts a lot of stress on that defensive end. And I thought the offense did a really good job, and to give credit to Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid and, and Kafka and all the guys who designed the offense, but you see it every week, and you – Every time the Chiefs go up against these edge rushers where it's like, okay, you know, who's who's going to play right tackle for the Chiefs? The offensive line's a little banged up. You're going up against Miles Garrett. You got this pressure. How are they going to handle that? And it's immediately misdirection on the first play with the end around to Tyreek going the other direction. It's like, if you don't think you can just line up and block him, you don't have to chip him every time, just get him thinking. Get him looking left mm-hmm. and right. Get him thinking lateral and not necessarily so much up and down the field and kind of control him that way, which I thought was a beautiful game plan. It worked out particularly early in the game uh when the chiefs offense really struggled having not played for three weeks remember that story <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it man there's there's no such thing as rust but angry uh, man 
So let's never talk about that again, Chiefs Kingdom. So next year, when everybody's saying don't rest the starters in Week 17, remember that the offense, the first three drives, didn't slow down at all. They were cl- clicking on all cylinders. They had guys who were out. They didn't have a layer, like we said. Didn't have Sammy Watkins. But let's go to the other side of the ball. I'll talk for about five minutes to wrap up this episode, Nick. Um, Tyron Matthew, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this because I know he made the interception today, and I want to talk in, in generalities because, I'm again, I'm not in the locker room and I'm not breaking down the film doing the X's and O's stuff, but telling you that he's the one who brings that defense together. And now that he's been here twice playing an AFC title game and hopefully going to back-to-back Super Bowls, um, that as happy as I am for Patrick Mahomes and as happy as I am for Andy Reid, I'm really happy for Tyron Matthew as well because he shouldn't get lost in the big discussion as far as, like, what who has made the biggest impact because he brought that defense together he's the glue that holds it together and when you started to feel that momentum going on Cleveland side they started making some plays who was the guy on the defense that when you watch out on the field was had his chest bowed and he was like I am basically momentum proof like I will stop the momentum I'm the honey badger rents do whatever you want to call it Um, I love to see that, and I'm never going to stop praising him for what he did because it wouldn't be the same, even with Patrick Mahomes, as good as he is. You still need the defense to step up and make plays. It's taking nothing away from Hitchens, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, those guys. Tyron Matthew is just a different dude, and he really puts everything together. Love him. Yeah, you do, and and you love that that fire from from a safety and and from from a guy who's been through a bunch of adversity – has battled back and he was an all pro for Christ's sakes. You know, that, that was, that to me was, was legit right there. You can say what you want, but uh, the guy doesn't miss tackles. Uh, The guy is not the biggest person, but he's got the biggest heart out there. And the dude is just fearless and, and players see through bullshit. Like if you're a guy who's just talking the talk, but you're not walking it, players will see through that and they won't be motivated, but he does that. You know, he brings a level of toughness to that defense and, and like an edge to that defense that that you can hang your hat on. Like if yep. you're a D lineman, you're motivated by him. You know, if you're an other safety, you know, you're motivated by him. Um, and then I think what what Tyron Matthew does, too, with with Juan Thornhill, uh, Thornhill made some some crucial stops as well. That and it's like, yeah, made. Uh. yeah, he stuck him. And it was, I think that's all based off of Matthew. You know, look, he wants, he was the leader of his defense, you know, Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. And, you know, those are the two uh, uh, veteran elder statesmen in, in that defensive uh, locker room. Yeah. Stay on the offense because we haven't talked. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey both finished the game with eight catches. Uh, Tyree Kill for 110 yards, Kelsey for 109 yards and a touchdown. And Travis Kelsey's little dig route, scissor route, whatever that was, across the middle of the field on Denzel Ward that uh, Therese put out on social media, a lot of people put out the the end zone view, was one of the sickest routes that Kelsey has ran. And that's going up against an all-pro cornerback. That was crazy big time and uh, a play that we're probably going to see a lot on uh, Travis Kelsey highlight reels. There is, too. And, and I love how, how with, with this offense, too, how they design plays where, uh, like where your, your prime guys, Tyreek, and Travis Kelsey, they run decoy routes. And I love how they build stuff off of that. And it's just really cool. And, and that's why you have to have next man up mentality because you could be that next man up, especially when they start keying in on both those guys. It's like, man, it's going to open up for anybody else. Yeah. All right. Before we let everybody go, anybody that's a loyal listener of this show will know how much Nick loves the game notes. And so the one really cool, we've already hit on a couple of them, but the one game note in here that I thought was really interesting that I hadn't seen yet was that with 
tonight's win, Andy Reid got his 16th career postseason victory, God. tying him with Pro Football Hall of Famer Chuck Knoll for the fifth most career postseason wins ever by an NFL head coach. One more win, and he will tie, tie Joe Gibbs for fourth in NFL history in postseason wins with 17 wins, like I said. And Bill Belichick, for everyone who's thinking it, is number one with 31 wins. He's way up there, but Tom Landry is second with 20. So it'll take a couple years, but uh, I think with this Mahomes guy, they're going to have a shot uh, to be in contention for the next few years. Nick, before we let everybody go, do you have any final thoughts about this game, notwithstanding Harrison Butker, because we've intentionally not talked about it because it didn't cost the Chiefs a game, and that's okay. Yeah, and and like I said, if you leave in the, the hands uh, of the kicker to win the game, it means the offense failed to do their job as well, too. It's, so. a, it's a team game, and that part of the team did not play up to its capability, but luckily everybody else picked them up, and the next time it's going to be their turn. So you want to keep keep giving them confidence and keep their processes, and he's still one of the best kickers in the league, just had a bad night. Uh, as a parting, as a parting statement, um, we'll, we'll monitor. We'll, I'm not going to monitor shit about Mahomes, but um, you know, are you going to be, are you gonna be break, breaking news and tweeting about this all week and looking into the concussion protocols? I don't break anything, man. I, I don't know. I mean, you just wait and see. I, I love. I'm glad. Thanks for getting Aaron on the show to help break yeah, it, break it down. Great. And and I love how there's no grade anymore because I think if you grade something, you put people in the wrong category, and then you yeah. know you you skip protocols that you shouldn't. And so we'll see. And, you know, if 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 it'll be a game time decision. So wait wait till Sunday uh, to see yeah. if Mahomes is playing or not. Like he could yeah. he could get healthy Saturday night or Sunday morning. You know, as long as he pass all his tests and um, playoff Andy, playoff Andy's a different breed. Uh, yeah. Hey, straight up, don't fuck with play. Don't fuck with playoff Andy. I mean, we were doing so good, and now you've got like six dollars. I'm just no. I'm just saying. Minutes like I, show, I, to, to me. To, to do that, to trust that with, with your backup quarterback, like oh, yeah. that just means that 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 I love what Onions. Tony Romo says, right? You have a, you have a play that you just love, you absolutely yeah. love, and you know anybody can do it, and, and you know you've run it in practice, and you're like, hey man, this is what I want, dial it up. How many reps do you think Chad Henney got with that play in practice? Um, probably none. But you know After, what? Hey, maybe BJ, one at training camp. Maybe, maybe one at training camp. Maybe. Hey, mental reps are key. That's why you have smart. That's why you have the Chase Daniels of the world uh, backing up, right? That's where you have Chad Henney of the world backing up. Because you know a guy can come in cold right in the middle of the game and play for you in, in the clutch time. And he made it interesting because he came up through the bad interception and everyone's like, what is this guy doing? And then he steps up. Nobody's talking about that interception now. Everybody's like, exactly. He's, he's trending. Exactly. Everybody's happy. He's like, hey, <laughs> look how quickly it is. You complete a fourth down pass, you're good. You hey, what have you done good. for me lately? What have you done for yeah. me lately? All right. Now as we let everybody go on this show that was going to be about 30 minutes and somehow, again, is extended to 50 minutes, please, as we tell you, for anyone who's listening, please tell your friends. Andy Reid is not going to tell anyone if Patrick Mahomes is going to play in this game until Sunday, 90 minutes before the game, yes. when the inactives come out. Maybe that's a bull take, and maybe I end up being wrong, but there is no benefit to the Chiefs publicly telling everyone that Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I know everybody wants to know because you want to buy your tickets, and you yada, 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 you got to make plans, whatever you want to do. The Buffalo Bills also want to know. <laughs> 
And if they don't know, they have to prepare for both. And that's not a bad thing. Whatever indecision, whatever practice time, meeting time they have to spend worrying about who they might play or what's different if it's Henny or Mahomes or whatever it is, you're not going to know. So don't get all upset when you don't find out any information on Monday or Tuesday. Nothing's going to happen because they're off. And then the presser on Wednesday with Coach Reed, he's probably just going to say we're taking it day by day and he's got to go through the protocol and I'll give you an update when I can. I, I don't talk about guys who aren't practicing. That's what he's going to say. You ruined Wednesday's meeting, dude. <laughs> he's not gonna, why would he say anything? I'm his entire career, he's that. That's exactly I'm what he getting, said. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm already responding to things that haven't even been said yet. And I'm, it's already annoying me. He's not going to say anything. And that's okay. He shouldn't. I know you want the information, but he's not going to give it to you because it's not in his best interest. There's what? Why would he? Anyway, do you have any parting like words that. for everyone? No, man. No. Go man. eat Jack Stack. Jackstackbbq.com. Absolutely, man. I could go for some 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 ribs right now. Some Jackstack ribs. I'd go for some cheesy corn right now. I'm not gonna lie. That would be good. Help. We get some of that for the game next week. Again, don't forget Saturdays and Sundays carry out. You can order the jackstackbbq.com you can get the outside the trenches special that's wings brisket no wings burn ends and pulled pork Sausage. but if you want another comp- combination of three different meats there's a name for that too and you can order that as well you do you <laughs> that's right you do you whatever you like you got nothing else this is how we're gonna end it you know um i'm looking forward to to this uh the young quarterbacks man Yeah, Josh Allen. You know what I'm excited for, honestly, because I texted him the other day because he's my guy? Mitch Morse. I'm so fucking happy for that guy. I'll put a dollar in the square jar. I don't care. Because I love Mitch Morse. He's one of my favorite players. Like him and Sharkhandrick are up there. Like two of my favorite dudes. uh, Just because he was a normal dude. Like he's just a big teddy bear smartass. Like that's Mitch Morse. You've you've talked to Mitch. Like he's the big big smartass. He's a good dude from Austin, man. Went to Missouri. Yes, he did. And I'm glad... Happy for him. Happy for Caitlin. Um, his wife is, he comes back. I think he lives here in the offseason, hangs out. Aaron actually knows him really well. So happy for him as he gets to go there. And those Buffalo, like those fans, I saw this is a parting note because we always talk about like Chiefs fans, like don't turn into Patriots fans. You know one thing I love about Bills fans? Because this isn't, hey, call, them what, call them what they are Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia. I like this fan base. I, I'm a diehard Chiefs Kingdom. I can compliment another fan base because mm-hmm. they started donating money to Lamar Jackson's like favorite charity after he left that game with a concussion last week. And they were putting like a lot of donations in, and I know they made a lot of donations for Josh Allen, Josh Allen's, I think, grandmother's name. I think it was. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but they just when it comes to like philanthropy and like doing things like that, it seems like Bills fans are always on it. Always doing really cool stuff. And Chiefs fans do too, don't get me wrong. Um, but the fact that we're playing them, the fact that they're the enemy now this week, I can't be Mitch Morris's enemy, but I don't want him to win. So yeah. anyway, it should be, should be a fun week. Uh, looks like it's going to be – that other I don't game th- just I don't think up. I don't think uh, Buffalo's a cold-weather team, so good for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, I think I saw – I know it's way out in advance, but the, the weather, there's a chance of a storm. So who knows? And Josh Allen didn't look. I know it was windy up there. It was windy at Arrowhead. Josh Allen didn't look um, particularly sharp with a lot of the wind. And I don't know how much of that was the wind. So it's not a knock on him. Uh, but it looked like at least the DBs, DBs had some chances to make some plays on the ball. But it looks like the final four teams are going to be the Packers, the Buccaneers, the Bills, and the Chiefs. One of those four teams will be Super Bowl 55 champions. 
So we thank you all for listening to this episode of Outside the Trenches. We will see you next week. Chiefs Kingdom, y'all have a good one. Chiefs Bills next Sunday night at Arrowhead Stadium for the AFC Championship. We'll see you then. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.